the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sport in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Mop and Financial Advisors, and Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino. Filling in for Philip Naiman this week is Paul Chabot. Hey, uh, this is Paul Chabot filling in for my good friend Phil, who's out. Who knows where he is, but he is doing something important, I'm sure, for God, country, and family. Welcome to the Firing Line show. I've had the privilege of uh, being on Firing Line a few times in the past, and you know, it's an honor. It's an honor to reach out to members like you across the community, speaking about issues that are critical uh, to our national security. Uh, you know, a little bit about my background and what I've talked about with Phil is having been in law enforcement and the U.S. military now for about 14 years and just the critical nature of being aware. You know, I um, have been in California off and on for a number of years, spent the last 11 years here in town. But before that, I had spent six years in Washington, D.C. And I want to take us back a moment to think about September 11th and then take us into the San Bernardino shootings and then take us into our personal safety and security and how critical it is that we look after ourselves and our loved ones, because unfortunately people are taking advantage of the terror attacks and trying to chip away at our second amendment rights, the rights that our founding fathers fought and died for those that we cherish that make us the United States of America. So on September 11th, I was working in Washington, DC And like many people, and I know you here on the West Coast at the time were probably just waking up, but at that time we were having an ordinary, average, beautiful fall day in Washington, D.C. And I walked through my office and I was working for uh, uh, President Bush at the time and had looked up at the television and had seen the smoke coming out of one of the towers and at that moment thought maybe this is something of uh, an accident. But as time went on throughout those minutes into the hour we realized then as all of America and the world did that we were under attack. And so we all can relate to that moment in history about where we were, how we felt, the frustration, the anger, the vulnerability of of America because of the freedoms and people attacking us because of who we are and what we love. Now, we look at those precious moments and the countless lives that were lost and where we are today as a nation. I want to fast forward before talking about the San Bernardino shootings into how did we get into a world today where Americans, our number one fear, our number one fear is terrorism followed by political corruption. And sometimes those probably reverse one another. But how is it that we, as the most powerful nation on the earth, have come to a place today where we turn on the TV, we open a newspaper, or we talk with our neighbors, and we look at the threats that face this nation? Look, this is unlike anything my generation has ever seen. 
We have Iran challenging Saudi Arabia, an ally of ours in the Middle East. We have a horrible deal with Iran that has basically allowed them carte blanche for funding of their own operations to challenge the West. We have China now expanding into the South China Sea. They have built an island, built up their military, their first carrier, now into their second potential carrier. We have Russia flying flights off the West Coast of California, unlike they've done since the Cold War. And I think we can all be honest with ourselves and say that America is no longer feared by our enemies, and we are no longer trusted or respected by our allies. What we have seen happen from this administration, impacting you and I, is personal. And the reason is, we can look at life as I do through a lens. And the lens that I look at life through is that of being a father. I've got four kids. I don't know how old your kids are or grandkids are, but think for a moment about your children or your grandchildren or your niece or your nephew, someone who you love dearly, and ask yourself this question. Is it fair and is it responsible to hand them the nation that we have created, that this generation, that this president, that this administration has created? Is that fair to them? Imagine the mess that they have to clean up. Imagine the mess that the next president, the next administration is going to have to clean up. And and I am so concerned that I believe that this next election is going to be critical to the survival of our nation. Will we remain the world superpower or will we have negotiated away our strength for some so-called peace? And we got to remember, ladies and gentlemen, that there is no peace with evil. If we negotiate with evil, we lose. Right now, this administration is letting very violent Al-Qaeda-linked terrorists out of Gitmo into other countries where they're easily going to end up back on the battlefield. The battlefield today is not just the growing influence of Russia and China but ISIS. ISIS that just six months ago was in 15 countries. Today, ISIS is in over 30 countries and growing. Ladies and gentlemen, it's beyond the Middle East. They have infiltrated into Africa, into Europe, like a cancer, like a plague. And there is no true free world standing up against them. And that is because there is a void. There is an emptiness. There is no American leadership. The pinpoint airstrikes of what we are doing today will not crush this enemy. This president is playing out the rest of his presidency to somehow contain a very distraught world vision of his. And what he is handing your children and my children is nothing more than a disaster. And so in times like this, great men and great women must rise. 
not only in our communities, not only in our Congress and White House, but throughout the world. Where are the Churchills, Roosevelt's, Reagan's, Thatcher's, the General George Patton's? We do not have the strength in mind in our leaders today to fight this fight. We simply don't. The military men and women today, and I believe I can speak for them, are not only concerned about our country, but we are demoralized. We are seeing a military that has been shrunk and reduced to levels of pre-World War II. We are seeing some of our best and brightest admirals and generals leaving service early because they simply cannot get the job done. They are told to stand down. When we see what happened with Benghazi, when our men and women are out there fighting an enemy, they're outflanked, outgunned, and America does not respond to back up our own on the ground, what kind of message does that send to our men and women who are fighting for our freedom? What kind of message does that send to your children and my children that are going to have to carry on this torch? It is, it is serious times. Here in San Bernardino, who would have thought that this location, this region, would be mentioned in the news so often for such a horrific, radical, Islamic, terrorist attack upon our people simply because of who we are. There is good and evil in this world, ladies and gentlemen, good and evil. And we do not negotiate with evil. What we must do is challenge evil in every corner. Because if we don't, if we cower, if we hide, if we negotiate, evil will continue to thrive around the globe. If you remember in your history classes, the World War II movies showing Nazi Germany conquering Europe and the map, the black and white map, turning more black as the Nazi symbols were conquering Europe and in Asia with Japan. What we are seeing today is the exact same thing happening with ISIS, with terrorism. But there is no true good force led by America, on the front lines, fighting to win this. Look, we've got some great segments uh, coming up, and I think you're going to enjoy this. I want to say that I appreciate Phil Naiman opening up the firing line for me to speak to uh, Americans across this country. It's great to be American. Please stand by. We will be right back. God bless. A message from Vince at Bullseye Sport. Bullseye Sport thanks the many families who have allowed us to provide them a firearm that helped them protect their home this past year. Before you shop for your personal protection firearm, I encourage you to come on down to Bullseye Sport in Riverside and speak with me, Vince, the owner, or one of my many good people at the store. You will receive a welcome and an educational experience that will help you feel confident and comfortable in your firearm purchase. Bullseye Sport wishes you and your family a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and 
and to have a safe holiday season. Give the gift of protection with a stocking stuffer or gift certificate in any amount from Bullseye Sport. Use your AM590 mobile app to enter to win a bucket of bullets, 1,400 rounds of 22 ammunition. Download it for Apple or Droid and click on the Bullseye ad to enter. No purchase necessary. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the Firing Line Radio Show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Paul Chabot here filling in for Phil Naiman on the Firing Line. I want to tell you about a, a great sponsor of the program, Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sporting Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside and sponsor of the Firing Line, wants to stress the importance of safety in firearm usage. If you are a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting home defense, or target shooting, it's important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. Vince highly recommends that you attend a certified firearm safety and training course, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense. And with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For more information about their certified firearms courses, call Bullseye Sports in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for a schedule of classes. Because at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo, they believe in safety first. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am excited to be here with you. KTA 590 firing line filling in for Phil Naiman and want to just break the ground here with telling you that I have a phenomenal guest here coming up. In fact, he's with us live right now. His name is John Thomas. He is known not only throughout the California, but throughout the country as being a spot on political commentator and strategist. Uh, He truly knows the tea leaves of what is coming in this country, knows the issues that we face and are most concerned about. Uh, Mr. John Thomas, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me, Paul. Great to be here. Absolutely, John. Look, uh, we've all been watching what's been happening in this country uh, with the San Bernardino shooting and then some opponents on various issues of guns and gun control uh, taking different swipes. We've seen a lot of different conversations Look, what's going on out there? 
what should we be worried about and what do you think is really happening? Right. Well, I think uh, what we've seen play out over the last few weeks has been, uh, you know, in in light of the uh, uh, Paris uh, terror attacks, the San Bernardino terror attack um, and others and what's going on with ISIS abroad, the American public and electorate is, uh, is scared. They're angry. And they feel that their government hasn't been doing a good job keeping them safe. And so instead of addressing the problem of fighting terrorism, uh, the Obama administration has seized this as an opportunity to do to push their left wing agenda, which has always been to uh, increase uh, gun control. And so uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel, the, the mayor of Chicago and President Obama's former closest aide, uh, has a famous uh, phrase where he said, you never let a good crisis go to waste. And I think that's what they're doing here, Paul. Uh, They're using this as, you know, they're never going to crack down on ISIS. It's not in Obama's DNA, but but they're going to use this as an opportunity to do what they've wanted to do for years, uh, even before uh, what they felt was, you know, a a terror crisis going on. Uh, And so, now they're trying to enact uh, by executive order because they know they can't get it done through the House, stronger gun laws. But the problem is, Paul, I think for, uh, from a political standpoint, the administration's really tone deaf. Americans don't feel that guns are the problem. They feel that terrorism is the problem. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Here in the city of San Bernardino, there was a, a local uh, a TV channel, might have been out of L.A., that had shown the day after uh, one of the gun stores here with a line wrapped around that store of local citizens fearful of uh, what what may come next. My concern is that we have not addressed the terrorism problem domestically. We have not addressed the terrorism problem nationally, and that this is almost an an approach or an effort to distract away from the bigger failings, which is that right now the world is losing the war on terror. ISIS has gone from 15 to 30 countries and growing. Is there anything that has come out of this administration, this um, gun control talk, executive action that would have prevented um, any of these Attacks would have prevented San Bernardino. Do we know if there's anything in there that would have changed the scenario? I don't. I don't believe so, Paul. Everything I know is that California has some of the toughest gun laws in the country, um, and I think the fact is, all you have to do is, uh, for this, for the sake of argument, put aside. I like to put aside what terrorists will do, and let's just look at what gang members do. You know, they they get a lot of their firearms illegally, whether they smuggle it in from another country or they buy it off market. And that's exactly I don't know why terrorism terrorists would do anything differently than what gang members have been doing for decades and decades. So I think uh, Marco Rubio said it best uh, when he was asked about his thoughts about more gun control. And he said the criminals, they don't obey the laws. That's why they're criminals. And they're not going to obey, no matter how many gun laws we put on the books, they're going to go around those. So what we're doing, in essence, is shackling law-abiding citizens from the right to protect themselves. Uh, and I think it's what's even more dangerous, Paul, is providing what the Obama administration is doing, is they're providing a false sense of security by saying, we're fixing the problem of terrorism and we're making you safer by taking guns off the street. And in fact, they're not. 
Right. Americans aren't going to be safer until we address the problem of terrorism. So, look, I think the only uh, the only positive thing, if we're looking at the silver lining in this whole discussion, is that Americans now, you know, security is on the forefront of nearly every American's mind. And I hope that when uh, Americans go to the to the ballot box in 2016, that they vote security first and and put candidates in office that will actually meaningfully address the issue and not just um, talk about gun control. Yeah. And you mentioned Chicago. Why? It could be Chicago, it could be L.A. Why is it that the left who is so adamant about gun control, we don't see them marching in the streets of Chicago talking about uh, uh, just the, the violence that is consistently done not by responsible gun owners, but by violent thugs who steal weapons, who import um, weapons, who get them through other means than what are legal and very tough restrictions. Why is it? I mean, you would think that you would want to see a president and political figures in these hard hit areas really coming up with strategies to measurably reduce the real gun violence, which is what gang members are doing, victimizing uh, the communities in which they live. Why are we not seeing that kind of leadership? Uh, I think that's too much of a hot political potato for him to to get involved at ground zero there. I think uh, it's much easier for him to give a speech from the White House, shed a tear, uh, and enact, uh, you know, say he's doing something by shackling everybody's gun rights across the United States. You know, Paul, what I'm I found very interesting was if you look at a case study of of Israel, uh, um, the fact is, you know, they, it's very difficult to get a gun if you're a law-abiding citizen. But what you know, right now they're seeing uh, the current violence is knife-related violence. The people are getting stabbed in the back in the streets. So sure. the way I look at it is, you know, a criminal is going to commit a crime. No matter with with a weapon, whether you know, look, we can look at our prison system that you know so well. Somehow, you know, these these people are you know under complete control by by uh, law enforcement. Yet they find ways to manufacture or smuggle weapons into the prison system. How, how do we think that we can come up with laws that are going to convince criminals that aren't under twenty four seven surveillance to not have weapons if they want weapons? Or, or make, uh, you know, homemade bombs or what? I, to me, the, the whole argument is ludicrous when we have to figure out a way to tackle terrorism as a whole and, and, and not look at the particular weapons they're using because that's not how you fix the problem. Yeah. What do you think the end state is? What do you think the left is, is really trying to achieve here? Uh, we've got about a, about a minute and a half left, but in a quick response, what do you think their, their end state is? I think they have a, a, a larger radical agenda, which you know is is that uh, guns and guns are just fundamentally bad, um, um, and and this is an opportunity to take guns off the street. Um, I think they believe that you know we're far too aggressive as a nation, and so dearming both its citizens and its military military programs uh, is is the reason they feel that the the United States uh, has so many enemies abroad is because we're too big of a bully. I mean, I really believe that liberals think we're just a schoolyard bully, uh, and so the, the the more they can shrink our power uh, militarily, the better off they are. And that's what we're do, doing here domestically. Well, a great analysis. And uh, John Thomas, please tell people how they can find you. Sure, uh, on Twitter you can find me at ca politico, uh, or you can. Uh, you can go to my website at uh, tpstrat.com. Um, 
uh, or you just Google me under John Thomas. I'll pop up. But uh, thank you so much for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, John, it's been great to having having you here. Thanks for everything you're doing for America, for our country, and keeping these issues uh, front and center. We really appreciate you joining us here on the firing line on 590 The Answer. God bless. Thanks so much, John. We'll be back. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range and CCW Safe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Paul Chabot, filling in for the great Phil Naiman on the firing line on AM 590, the answer. Hey, it's great to be back with you here on this block. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, for a few moments here about critical issues, again, that affect you and I and what we're worried about is, as a Second Amendment supporters. Um, I, a few nights ago, I happened to turn on the TV and there was a, a, a real series. I guess you would call that a documentary, but it was called The Cartel Something Something. And I forget the second word. It was a two hour long show. And I was enamored by what I had seen in this documentary. I'd like to share it with you for a moment. Uh, but first off, a number of years ago, I wrote a book called Eternal Battle Against Evil, a comprehensive strategy on how to fight terrorists, drug cartels, you know, organized crime, prison gangs. It was based on a dissertation that I had written in the early 2000s on the Ariano Felix Drug Trafficking Organization, known also as the AFDTO. Now, why is that cartel so important to today's topic. Well, every October in this country, we celebrate Red Ribbon Week, you know, keeping our kids off drugs and, and, and wearing the red ribbons. Well, for those of you that are old enough, you might recall in the 1980s when President Ronald Reagan shut down the border with Mexico and the United States. And do you recall why he had shut down that border? It was because Vigilantes, criminals, thugs in Mexico had kidnapped a DEA agent named Kiki Camarena, who was stationed in Mexico as an attache, working on behalf of our government to keep us safe. He was kidnapped, he was tortured, and he was killed. And the American government was getting no response, no answers, no help from the Mexican government. So this president, Reagan, said enough. If they're going to treat our citizens that way, they're not going to cooperate with us on this investigation of killing one of our, our men, our women in uniform doing the job, then we're going to take action. And this president shut down, with a phone call, shut down 
the entire border. No cars in, no cars out. What do you think happened? What do you think the Mexican government did after the United States government shut down our border with Mexico? No commerce, no trade, no family, no nothing. Shut down. Tell you what happened. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, at pitch black night, the Mexican government, or so alleged, handed over to the United States authorities suspects involved in the torture and killing of our agent. And then, of course, the border reopened. So what what does that lesson in history tell us, and why have we not done the same? We have our agents on the front lines today who are fighting for this country to protect us from violent drug cartels who shoot at our armed personnel on our side of the border, and yet we simply look the other way. Not only do we have drugs coming in, but we have weapons coming in from Mexico. You have everything that you can imagine that a criminal thug organization would do, and we have done very little. And because of that, it places our lives in greater jeopardy. We have done very little to address the gang issue in our communities from San Bernardino to Colton to Rialta to L.A., We have more gang members, ladies and gentlemen, on our streets than we do police officers. To say that we are shackled up in our homes at night in some of these cities and afraid to go outside would be an understatement. What I can't grasp and understand is this point. We have solutions. We have things we can do to preserve and protect our rights, to reduce crime, to stop thugs from coming over this border. But yet, for some reason, the political will, the political leadership is not there. When you go into these harder-hit cities that are devastated by gangs in this region, I challenge anybody to walk through the streets of San Bernardino at night where there are recordings of a number of violent crimes and speak with those residents who are voters, by the way, and look at their homes. They don't go out at night. Many barricade themselves behind bars on their windows and their doors. These areas are devastated economically. And we ask ourselves, well, we can call the police. Well, it might take the police three to five minutes to get there. If you live in these areas today and we are seeing law enforcement cutbacks and you're seeing crime, violent crime across our communities skyrocket, ladies and gentlemen, what do you do to protect yourselves, to protect your loved ones? Imagine for a minute if the far left has their way. Their way is no guns at all. They are not simply talking about what we do, which is gun safety and gun responsibility and keeping guns out of the hands of criminals. They want to keep the guns out of your hands and my hands. The self-defense of what we depend upon because our government is failing, failing to protect us, failing to protect us here at home, failing to protect us abroad. That is inexcusable. The number one role of government 
is to provide for defense, for protection. And if they cannot do that, and they have shown that they cannot do that, then how do we protect ourselves? I remember watching on television when the uh, San Bernardino terrorists had their vehicle stopped and the cameras were pulled back so we couldn't quite see a body or the bodies on the ground. But the TV reporters were telling the voters, the, the, the citizens, the, anybody who was watching that hunker down because there's a potential third suspect on the loose in this neighborhood. Imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment that you are in that neighborhood, a large square block. And within that moment, within that time, you're in that house with your wife and your kids. And all that you know is that there is a suspect out there who just killed 14 of us, has shot at the police, and now is running through our communities. What are you going to do? You're going to lock your door. You're going to barrel it down, right? But to think for a moment that as a Second Amendment citizen, standing behind that door, protecting your family, would you not feel better protected knowing that you had the ability to shoot back, to fire, to protect, to defend? Because cops can't be everywhere. And nor should we expect them. Look, here in California, this legislature has done some absolutely asinine things that make your life and my life more dangerous. One such thing, they have increased the dollar amount of what one can be charged for a felony. And why is that important? That's important because we now have criminals on our streets who will break into your house and my house and steal property. But they will literally, as we've seen here in San Bernardino, as in one case, a gentleman, I shouldn't call him a gentleman, a thug had a calculator with him, calculating the cost of what he was taking out of a department store so that when he gets caught, if he gets caught, that he would be charged for a misdemeanor, not a felony because the dollar amount would add up to less than $950. Ladies and gentlemen, if you get arrested for a misdemeanor here in California, good luck serving any prison time. You'll probably be released on probation and back out on the streets before that police officer who arrested you finishes his shift for the night. So what we are seeing because of these horrible laws where they've also let out 20% of those in our prison system back out onto our streets, many are committing violent crimes and many are committing property crimes. And these property crimes are where they are breaking into your house, your car. They are victimizing you and us. And that's got to end. So I ask you, if this government continues to create legislation and laws that makes it more dangerous for you and I to live in our communities, to drive our kids to school, to shop in our shopping centers, or to go to bed at night, what are we left with? Ladies and gentlemen, I believe we are in for a revolution in 2016 on the political sphere. Americans of all parties, of all people, are fed up. Poverty is at an all-time high. Violence is out of control. ISIS is in 30 countries. The world is a mess. We need leadership. And leadership begins with those who believe in the strong principles of what this great nation is about. 
And that's what we need to fall back on, to pray, to know who we are and what if we are. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit. Ladies and gentlemen, I am filling in for Phil Naiman here on the firing line. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the Firing Line Radio Show is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and by Moppin Financial Advisors. Ladies and gentlemen, great to be back with you here on 590. I am filling in for Phil Naiman, the great Phil Naiman on the Firing Line. Look, I'm excited. Uh, we've got an outstanding block here with you. I want to introduce you to my very good friend, Mr. Thomas Basili. Thomas Basili is an East Coast native with worldwide experience on the political realm and beyond. He is a Forbes contributor extraordinaire and much, much more. Mr. Thomas Basili, welcome to the Firing Line. You know, it's great to be with you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Uh, you bet. Really appreciate you, you making the time, a three-hour difference to be with us. We know you're busy. You're doing a lot of God's work out there uh, for all of us. Look, wanted to talk with you. Obviously, many of our listeners here on this Firing Line show um, are, are really concerned about the the direction our country is going. They're concerned about the, the, the different talk and the greater talk about gun control, uh, what is truly going on in this country? Is any anything that's being talked about at the federal level out of this administration really going to stop terrorists, stop a San Bernardino attack like we saw? And, and what do you think is, is just going on? Love to get your thoughts, because quite honestly, you're the person I go to. Well, thank you so much. I I, uh, I appreciate it, and uh, and it's a great honor to be on the show with you. And I thank you for all the work that you're doing, uh, particularly in Southern California. Uh, and uh, you're going to make a great leader for uh, for the state of California. And uh, and your your voice is uh, is is definitely needed out there. So uh, yeah, you know, I'm in New York, and you're in California, and it's important for people in our two states uh, to. Uh, to speak openly and forcefully about uh, about our views, whether it's whether it's pro-growth economic policy or uh, or a, uh, a strong a strong uh, foreign uh, foreign policy and, and national defense, or protecting the Second Amendment, um, and uh, and so you know this this week obviously uh, uh, you know Rahm Emanuel once said uh, never let a never let a, a good uh, a good emergency or a tragedy go to waste and of course you know that's what the president is doing yet again he's trying to leverage some some terrible tragedies uh to advance what is a political agenda but not something that's really going to have any impact and i was uh, on well on, on preventing uh future instances uh, like the ones that we saw in San Bernardino or in Sandy Hook, um, and uh, you know even the Associated Press has has called him out on this, and 
uh, and, and a number of commentators on both sides of the aisle have, have said, all right, let's get real here. Uh, this is about you know, Obama's legacy. This is not about really solving uh, the problem uh, of, uh, of violence or, uh, or domestic terrorism. Yeah, we, we sense that. And yeah, I'm a responsible gun owner. Uh, my family, we own weapons and we lock them up and we teach our kids. And, and that's just the, the nature you know, of, of what we do. I remember my third grade teacher uh, telling the class once that Americans just have these inherent rights. And we were talking about military and fighting and history that you, know, you put a gun in an American's hand. We, we know how to shoot it. We know how to aim it where it, it's in our blood. It's in our nature, having defended and fought for our freedoms. And when we feel that those, those freedoms are being taken away, marginalized, chipped away, especially uh, for very dubious reasons that have nothing to do with the urgency of today, uh, we get to say it lightly upset. And I see and feel a strong sentiment, a, an urgency across this country amongst many uh, across all electorates of just mm-hmm. frustration. What do you think if you were to read the tea leaves looking forward to the 2016 cycle how do you think the American people feel today, and how do you think they're going to feel on Election Day if things continue in this well, trajectory? Well, you know, Paul, I think that, you know, just it, let's just use the gun issue as, as, um, as an example. And, and one of the things, you know, I know that you know, pro-Second Amendment folks like us, uh, we, we feel like we're under siege from this administration, and in many, in many respects we are. Um, but one of the reasons why this president has resorted to executive action, one of the reasons why he seems to be more desperate, why he's up there crying and using these these grieving parents as props, is and he's 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 taken it to such an extreme is because protecting the Second Amendment, which is a constitutional right, um, and protecting certain basic freedoms, are not Republican or Democrat issues. These are American issues. They're part of the quintessential fabric of the country. And, and people on both sides of the aisle oppose this kind of onerous government intervention. Uh, you know, the, the DNA of the country hasn't changed. Uh, the rhetoric out of Washington, the size and the scope of government has changed, but the basic DNA of the country hasn't changed. And, and what I say to people is, look, if you're looking at 2016 and you're saying, I have no idea who I'm going to vote for. I don't like Trump. I can't stand Clinton. Bernie Sanders is crazy. You know, Ted Cruz is off his rocker. All of the, you know, you don't know where to go. You have to break it down to its most basic, its most fundamental. Who is going to advance personal and economic freedom? Who is going to advance your rights and your, your ability to have choice and choice in the larger sense, because that's what this country is really founded on. And that needs to be the first and most basic question. It's not a Republican or a Democrat thing. It's about reaching back to your DNA as an American and saying, you know, look, we need we need somebody who is going to protect freedom, not restrict freedom. That's going to help enhance opportunity, not restrict opportunity. Somebody who believes that I'm smarter than the politicians often think that, that, you know, that we are. Um, and uh, so I, I think that there, there is reason to be, particularly if you're on the Second Amendment side, um, 
there's always reason to be hopeful because time and time again, people have rallied around the Second Amendment and other core freedoms. And we just hope that uh, that we will have some some real choices to make uh, where we're we'll be able to have, we'll have candidates that are really going to be committed to protecting personal and economic freedom in 2016. Yeah, great point, Tom. Now, you know, you're from New York, and Bloomberg has um, a, a record in your state and across this country. It's interesting because, um, you know, he supported the the stop and frisk, I believe, in, in New York, which has been shown to dramatically... Banded it, in fact. Yeah, and, and and now it's completely vacated, and you're seeing crime rise uh, mm-hmm. dramatically in New York. People are afraid. Here on the West Coast, we're seeing violent crime rise dramatically, up 140% in some of our cities. Mm-hmm. And I just cannot yep. wrap my arms around. I would think anybody in a position of leadership, and we just don't see it. We don't see the Al Sharptons. We don't see the Bidens. We don't see the Clintons. Going into the inner cities, the hard hit cities where gun violence, it's about thuggery. It's about mm-hmm. criminals who's about stealing and theft and aren't going to abide by any laws or regulations to begin with. Why is why are we seeing this dynamic happening? But yet in New York, where you have de Blasio, uh, who has railed against stop and frisk as part of his campaign to now sort of we are just going to stay the status quo and violence is going to be out of control. Is there anything happening? Because the progressives, I'll, I'll say this, Paul, I think that the progressives, one, they can't get out from behind their ideology. All right. They, they have taken advantage of inner city and minority populations for so long, and they have taken them for granted for so long that it's always easier to just kind of go back to where you're comfortable with, which is more regulation, more social programming. Um, uh, yeah, you know, somehow if we, if we put uh, restrictions on, on, on gun ownership, for instance, uh, on, on law-abiding citizens, that that's going to solve larger problems. And, and, and the reason why they do that is because, frankly, helping to address the underlying causes of violence in urban communities, in immigrant communities, in, in, um, in minority communities is just something that their, their fundamental philosophy cannot do. They don't believe in the opportunity society the way that you know, more you know, uh, conservative, you know, pro-growth, pro-freedom types do. And so the, instead of saying to people, um, uh, you know, we're, going to, uh, we're going to address uh, inequalities in education, and in housing, and we're gonna we're going to help uh, you know do something about the opportunity deserts that that create huge, staggering unemployment in these communities that feeds the violence that we see. Instead of doing anything about those things, they figure, well, we're just gonna we're gonna wave our arms and we're gonna say, um, well, if you do this one thing uh, by restricting gun ownership, that's what's going to solve the problem. And nobody wants to address the larger issues on, on, on the left. And frankly, on the right, there are a lot of folks, I know you're not like this because you think differently than, uh, than a lot of Republicans and a lot of conservatives do. You think far more broadly about how to, attra- how to, how to attack problems. Um, you know, a lot of times Republicans sort of ignore the problem. Yeah, Tom, and, I, I... You know, we can't do it anymore. No, I, I agree with you. And I think this comes down to real people, real solutions, real ideas. In a quick five seconds, my friend, how can people reach out to you? How can they find you? Oh, sure. They can follow me on Twitter at 
Tom underscore Basili, or uh, they can find me online at TomBasili.com. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is the great Tom Basili, a good friend of mine, uh, political commentator, Ford's commentator. Uh, please reach out to him for your advice and ideas as well around this country. Thank you very much, uh, Tom, for being with us here today. Audience, thank you for joining us here on the firing line. Phil Naiman, thanks for letting me fill in. God bless everybody. Be safe. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sport in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Mop and Financial Advisors, and Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.